0: Sing together this morning. And what can wash away my So together is called um, revelation song and as we seek God as we enter in the time of the message um, just wondering and knowing who God is and and how great he is we know that we talk about God as a loving God we also talk about God as a magnificent and powerful and all-knowing God so let's sing to him this morning as we sing of his revelation and who he is this morning. <laughs> Slave holy holy is he and sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy see sing that again together worthy is the lamb who was slain. song. To him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. And holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to you wow. strength. A marvelous mystery And holy, holy, holy Is the Lord God Almighty Who was and is and is to come With all creation I sing Praise to the King of kings You are my everything The Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Let's pray together. God, our Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for another wonderful day, and we thank you for this time of worship. As we come together for the message this morning, Father, as we come together in communion um, later, Father, I pray, Lord, we would prepare our hearts for what you'd have to tell us and teach us this morning. Um, help us to seek you, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.
1: Good morning everybody, Um, excited about the worship this morning, and um, one thing that I love is communion, Um, and in a minute I'm going to explain that, Uh, but if you're from here, if you you go here some, uh, you know it's probably different for us to have that many announcements, Uh, so if you want a calendar to just kind of follow along, or if you're new here and you want a calendar to see how you can be involved, Uh, There's one on the front there, Um, I didn't tell Jamie to say that, so that's my fault. Uh, Then also, I just want to encourage you, uh, as he said at 2 o'clock today, they're going to do a prayer walk. Uh, It's going to be in front of the high school part of the high school and I think they're going to go from the high school to the intermediate into the different places and just pray over the school um, and the reason I I want to just push that pretty heavily if you can make it I know it's last minute uh, but if you can make it to that and join with uh, other believers to pray for the school uh, there's multiple reasons the first one is uh, you can't do that everywhere uh, it's, a, it's a blessing to be able to pray over a school before it starts and secondly you know, we as a church have been trying to figure out some ways that we can be more involved in the community. And that's just a simple one right there. Uh, so I just want to encourage you, if you can, to make it out for that at 2 uh, I'll be there and I hope you can be there. Uh, and then after the sermon and after the, la- the, the song after the sermon, we're going to take a communion together as a body of believers. And so excited this morning about this time. If you would turn with me to, to Colossians chapter 1 verses 1 through 14. Uh, we're going to start preaching through Colossians for the, uh, for the next few weeks, uh, probably take about a month or so, so excited about it. This morning, as we get into it, I just wanted to introduce a little bit about it uh, just quickly. Paul is the one that is writing this uh, letter to the church in Colossae, uh, and Paul, if, if many of you know, if some of you won't know this, I don't know, uh, was once uh, known by the name of Saul. And Saul was this guy that uh, he went around under the uh, permission of the Roman government at the time killing Christians. Um, So if we want to put it in kind of modern day terminology and for us to understand it a little bit better, Paul would have been one of those guys that we see on the videos of ISIS that is doing terrorist attacks, right? This is what Paul would have been. He would have been this guy killing believers uh, in Christ for the namesake of his government and his religion. So Saul was this guy that come to Christ in salvation and then he, his life changes drastically and he goes around and he preaches and teaches God's word by planting churches and just visiting different areas. Uh, and Paul, he wrote Philippians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Romans, uh, Ephesians. He writes, I think, 13 books in the New Testament. Uh, and most of Paul's letters that he writes in the New Testament was to churches that He planted. So he planted a church, and then he would leave and go uh, elsewhere and plant more churches, and he would write back to them uh, to just kind of correct them and help them. Uh, But the church of Colossae was a church that Paul had never, uh, most likely, even we can't prove it for sure, but most would agree through his sermonology, is that Paul has never visited this church when he wrote this letter. Uh, And that is so significant. As we get into it, you're going to see why. But I want to pray real quick, and we'll jump into it. Dear Heavenly Father, we come now and we thank you so much for this day, God, an opportunity uh, just to gather as believers and uh, maybe wanderers, God, just trying to fill it up, just find out more about you this morning, God, and just to come together and and look at your word and praise and glorify your name, God, because you deserve it. In uh, you is the only way of salvation, in you is our only peace and joy and happiness, God, and I just pray this morning as we look into Colossians chapter 1 verses 1 through 14 and as we read the letters these words that Paul wrote to the church of Colossae God I pray that we look into our own lives and we implement these same truths this morning God and I just pray as we listen God that you open our hearts and our minds so that we can hear what it is you have to hear, say God and I just thank you for us to be able to just worship you through the preaching of your word God We love you, we praise you, and we glorify you with all that we are. In your Son's holy name, amen. So I'm going to read 1 through 14 in one setting, and then we'll jump into it. So just bear with me, and I'll read it and follow along with me. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints of the faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven and of which you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which was come to you as it has also in all of the world and bringing forth fruit. And it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth, as you also learned from Ephorus, I can't pronounce that word, I apologize, but that's my best guess there, or dear fellow servant, who is faithful uh, minister of the Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully uh, pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthening, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all practice of long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son in love, whom he redeemed. Through, we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sin. In this part, what we see is simply that Paul, is—he's in the first two verses, he's introducing himself, and we're going to go in detail about that. And then he really, he goes into this next part, and he does like Paul does a lot of times, he introduces what he's doing, and he's, he's pretty much just saying he's praying for the church of Colossae, but then in 9 through 14, he goes in detail of how he's praying. So I want, to listen, I want us to look at all of it, and then we're going to look at what that means to us this morning. He starts off in verse 1 and 2. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from our God, Father of Lord Jesus Christ. He begins in this part, in verses 1 and two, one through 2, he introduces three things. He tells us who's writing the letter, he tells us who's writing it to, and then he's greeting them. He begins by explaining who he is. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and the way I like to equate this to us is, how many of you have ever written, a, has wrote a handwritten letter before? So if you're like 24 and under, you may never have done that. Raise your hand if you've written a handwritten letter. Jamie, you've never written a handwritten letter? See, my point exactly right there, You're 25, never written one. Uh, I, I, I do it some myself now still. But when you write a handwritten letter, you, you pretty much, you start off with an idea of who it concerns or uh, dear or whatever it may be. Jamie, you didn't write no love letters in high school? Man, I mean, come on. Uh, before text message, you figured he would have. Um, but, and then at the end, you kind of sign your name, right? You sign who wrote this letter. Uh, You know, I would write James White. And actually, I don't write that many now, but my emails, I still do the same thing. I write, um, uh, thanks for everything, James White, JW. I always sign my name at the end of it. And Paul, he, he did it opposite. He started off by explaining who he was. But I want us to notice a very important part of what Paul is saying here. He doesn't say Paul, the one that once was Saul. He doesn't say Paul, uh, the one from whatever land he was from. He doesn't say Paul, uh, the pastor. He doesn't say. That. He says Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul is he's he's beginning by just founding who is writing this letter. He's not writing in this in his own name or in his own ability. He puts in parentheses here, an apostle of Jesus Christ. By the will of God. He's declaring that he is writing in the name of God in this. And so he's not writing from his own strength and ability. He's writing from God himself. And that's why we find that his his letter to the church of Colossae is in the scriptures. Because it was designed and desired by God to be in there. So Paul begins by explaining who's writing this letter. Paul, the apostle of Christ, the one that depends on God, is writing this letter. And he's writing it to the church of Colossae. Uh, The church of Colossae, uh, he uses the terminology here, he says saints. Uh, Now, I know most of us don't go around and calling each other saints, right? I don't say St. Matthew back there or St. Larry. I don't say St. Lynn. We say brothers or sisters in Christ, right? And that's really what he's saying here. He's saying, you know, the, the brothers, the believers in Christ in the church of Colossae is who he's writing this letter to. And one thing that just helps me today to understand these letters is knowing where that is. In Colossae, uh, because we don't have that still, right? We can't just pull up a map and say this is where the church of Colossae was. But what we do know, if you look back a little bit and you study, that would be modern day Turkey. Uh, And I really found this so, so uh, interesting that we're starting this letter and we had, I have a good friend that just left Turkey on a mission trip. And he would have been right there around this area. And so for me, it just makes everything work together even better. But Paul is writing this letter to this church of Colossae. And like I told you beforehand, he didn't plant this church. But this guy um, named Ephorus, or however you pronounce his name, is the one that planted this church and was pastor in this church. But then he goes on, and the last thing in this part, is that his greeting is grace to you and peace from our God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Now that just seems like a simple statement at first, but it's really the gospel in like eight words. He says grace to you. Grace is what we receive in Christ Jesus when we come to Him in salvation. And because of salvation we have in Christ and we have peace not only with the Father but with other people in the church. Uh, And this is so significant because when we come to salvation in Christ, He puts us back in peace with the Father, but it also allows us to have peace with one another in a church. Uh, Now, this doesn't mean a church will be perfect because I promise you, I haven't found one yet, and if you have... I want you to tell me about it because that's why I'm going to put my resume in that. Because I have never heard of a perfect church because what happens is when you have a body of believers that's coming together, sinful and broken people coming together, and when that happens where it's fallen and broken, people hurt people, people mess up, they make mistakes, we don't forgive like we should, we don't love like we should, and because of that it's hard. But I want to give us a remedy to it, is that if we trust in Christ, and we focus on what we need to focus on, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we forgive as He forgives, and He loves as He loves, then we can have peace with one another. Alright, so that's it for the first part, you know, just an introduction of what's going on. So let's look at 3 through 8. He says, We give thanks to the God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and you love for the saints because of the hope which laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as is also in all of the world, bringing forth fruit, and is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in Truth. As you have learned from Ephorus, our dear fellow servant, who is faithful minister of the Christ, on your behalf, we also declare to us your love in the Spirit. He begins, he says, he says, We give thanks to the God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, praying for you always. And this right here is one. it is so significant that Paul had never met these brothers and sisters in Christ. Because Paul, these men and women that he's never met before, he says, We give thanks to the Lord, our Jesus Christ, for you daily and pray for you always. That, that Paul, a man that has never met these brothers and sisters in Christ, is praying for these individuals. His love for these people is endearing. He loves them so much that he thanks God so much for them because of the news that he has heard of them sharing the gospel and making great of who Christ is in the community of which this church was located. And then because of that, he says, I'm praying for you. I'm always praying for you. When I pray, I pray for the church of Colossae. And this would have been his earlier uh, missionary journey. This would have been early on when Paul was praying for this church. And I believe that he prayed for it consistently. And because this is what he says here, praying always for you. Paul is talking about this church that he has never even met. And his love for them is so strong that he prays for them always. And why that is so significant, let's just be honest. How often do we pray for the brothers and sisters in our own church? How often do we pray for the the brothers and sisters that we have in our family or the brothers and sisters that we work with? This is something I think that when we look at Paul's life, we can learn from. Not to beat ourselves up about it, but to to seek to do that better in the future because Paul had this love for this church, for, for brothers and sisters in Christ that he's never met before. But why did he have this love? Why did he love them so much that he was thankful for them and that he prayed for them? It was because he says in uh, verse four, "Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love of all the saints because of their hope which is laid up for you in heaven." Paul is thankful and he loves these people because simply because. They are brothers and sisters in Christ because they have found redemption in Jesus Christ. That they have holding on to the hope that is offered in the gospel. And so Paul is thankful and he loves them so much because they're his family, right? And I, and I want to make this connection is this right here. How many of y'all have family members that you just don't want to admit that you have sometimes? Anybody? Don't raise your hand too high. They may be in the room with you. No, I'm playing. I hope not. We all have those, right? We have them family members that that you you really just don't want to tell people you have. Or you have that family member that... Um, I just thought about somebody. I can't say because Sarah would get mad at me. But you have those family members that that you just don't want to admit or kin to you. Uh, but Paul was even thankful for them, right? What we see in all of this is that... We have those members, we have those family members that, that just get on our nerves sometimes, right? But they're still family. At the end of the day, if you met them in, in Walmart or in Shop and Save, and I don't, I, my family, well, I do have family here, actually. But if you meet them in, in, this, in the store and stuff, and even if they get on your nerves, you're going to talk to them, right? You're going to spend time with them. You're going you're gonna, to, if somebody talks to, talks to you about them, you, you will admit it, even though you may whisper it. You'll say, yeah, you know, they're my cousin. Uh, you know, you're going to admit those your family. And, you know, and the church is no different at times. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where there's brothers and sisters that may get on our nerves. But, or, or we may disagree with or, or we, it's just hard to love. But we got to love them anyway because they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. They are being grafted into the family of God just as we have. That's hard for us at times. That's that's difficult for us at times. And I think about mainly as a you know think about your brother or your sister. Uh, and I know some of y'all are sharing brothers and sisters in the room, so just don't make eye contact. But if you ever try to plan something with them, and they just your your ideas just conflict. Well, you, you see one way, the other person sees one way, so you just kind of let them have their way. And, you know, the church has got to be the same way. We've got to focus on what we're focusing on, and that is the gospel. And we've got to let little things go at times. And so Paul, in all of this, what he is saying is that he loves them simply because they're family. He's thankful for them simply because they're family, that they're believers in Christ Jesus. And I think we can learn from that as, body, as a body of believers that are here at Lighthouse or wherever you attend regularly. You, you can look at Paul's example here and you've got to love the people God has put in your family. You've got to love those brothers and sisters that aren't even a part of the same church as you. And you got to love them as, as, as God called you to in. Uh, I don't want to talk about what all comes with love, because sometimes love hurts, right? Sometimes love is truthful. But that's not the topic this morning. But we're called to love them. But then he goes on, and he explains it even more in depth. This hope is in Christ. But I want to point out at the last part of this, he says, In the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it is also in all of the world, and bringing forth fruit, as it is among, um, among as you learned uh, among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of the truth that this gospel that we've responded to that we've come to christ knowing that the salvation in christ Jesus has come to us right if you're here and you're a believer and you follow after Jesus, you've accepted Christ. But he makes a point here, says, bringing forth fruit in all of the world. And as I talked about last week, so I'm not going to go in depth, the gospel is meant for just more than us. When we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we don't just receive him, sit down, and never do anything else with it again. We're called to take this same gospel into the world because this world is needs the gospel and it's the gospel changes and corrects in salvation to them all. So Paul is saying, you know, we've got to move this outside of the church. We've got to take this elsewhere as well. But then he goes on and says, As you learn from us, our dear fellow servant who is faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who has declared to us your love and spirit. So Paul, he doesn't know this church, right? He doesn't know the people of this church, but he knows this pastor. And he knows this pastor so much that this pastor, what he has known, what he has heard about the church from the pastor is that this church loves God and loves people. I really want to look at this and I want to start off with myself. As a a pastor, my job is to speak highly of the church that God has placed me in. My job is to speak highly of the people, to, to love the people, but also when people talk to me about somebody at the church, to talk good about it, talk good about the church. I'm not saying lie, but be honest and be truthful, but be honest about the fact that they're believers and brothers and sisters in Christ. But also, it's got to go a little farther than that is that you as a church have to talk good about the people of the church and the church itself. And the reason why that's so important is we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And secondly, if you talk bad about half the people at a church, is anybody going to want to come to that church with you? If you talk bad about the problems you have at church, no one's going to want to be a part of that. But it goes back to the very first part that when he says grace and peace to you all, is we got to have the peace of Christ amongst the church so we can talk good about it. So that's just a, that's a for free there. But let's move on to 9 through 14. 9 through 14, I'm going to read 9 and then I'll read them individually. It says, For this reason we also, since the day we have heard it, do not cease to pray for you. So, Paul, earlier he said that we are thankful for you and we are praying for you. And now, in verses 9 through 14, he's about to give about five things that he prays over the church of Colossae. And this is what I want us to focus on this morning. That we implement implement it in our own lives, but we also pray for it of those in our church. He says this, And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The first thing that Paul, he he prays for the church of Colossae, is that they be filled with the knowledge of Christ. That they be filled with the knowledge of His will. They be filled with... um, the wisdom and the spiritual understanding. In a minute, I'm going to go in detail. Um, but in simply how how the believers would do that in this time period is they would commit to being a part of the church. See, we have the joy today of having a Bible, right? Uh, and uh, most of us have a Bible at the house uh, or with us. And if you don't, please see me. we got a bunch of them we can give you. i got about 10 myself I'll give you. Um, but we have the joy of having this. We have the joy of having God's Word that we can read uh, on our own, in our homes, on our phones, whatever the case may be. But the reality is in this time period, they didn't have that. The print and press didn't come out to like, I'm not even going to guess, but it was 1900s, I'm sure. So they didn't have this. They didn't have a handwritten copy of God's Word in their homes. So what they would do is they would gather together on a daily basis and they would, they would devote themselves to the teaching and the preaching of God's Word. And so they made this commitment to meeting on a regular basis to understand God's Word. In a minute, I'm going to talk about what that looks like for us, but this is the first thing that Paul prays for them is that they will understand More about God, more about what God was calling them to, and how to do it. And why, but then we go on and we look at later on, he says, uh, You may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, being fruitful and every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. He, he doesn't stop there. Uh, he doesn't stop with just knowledge. Because if knowledge is all we ever do, if we just take in information, then what that causes us to do is be arrogant and prideful. When we just learn about God and we just learn about who He is, it just causes us to be arrogant and prideful and pointless. Because if all we do is read the Bible, but we don't ever do anything the Bible says, then what's the point at? So what we're called to do is this next step that he prays over their life is that they walk worthy of the Lord, that they walk worthy of the Lord full of good works. He's He's praying that they that they not only read God's word and they not only understand what God is, who God is and what He's calling them to, but they go out there and do it, that they actually put it into practice in their lives. But then he he doesn't leave out this important fact of working out the will of God. He goes on, and he says, strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. That that we do it in the strength that God provides. And we do this in long suffering and in patience. He's encouraging them here. He says, look, not only should you understand what God's calling you to do. Not only should you understand who God is, you should go. And live out those truths. And when you live out those truths, let God strengthen you because you're going to have to be patient and long-suffering. Persecution may happen. Death may happen. Problems are going to happen. But trust in God's strength to get you through it. And at the end of it, he says, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. He's he, he, saying give thanks to the Lord not only for our salvation is found in Him, but the work that He is, he is doing in our lives is found in Him. But I want to read the last two of these verses again. He has delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins. That through the blood of Christ, just like the first song we sang, um, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood to sin atone. Nothing but the blood can we do what God has called us to do. Nothing but the blood covers our lives with redemption that saves us from the sin debt that, that we have put on. Nothing but the, the salvation found in Christ do we have hope. So he's saying at the end of this, he's saying, you know, be strengthened by God, but give thanks to God for that strength, but also understand that everything you do, everything that you can possibly live out in life is because of God um we're, there's no self-made men i want you to know that so often we think we live our lives we do what we want but in reality god knows our time god allows us to breathe the next day god put everything into motion to where we can be where we are today god takes care of us god provides god is working out a plan and we were involved in it and it's because of christ jesus that we can trust in that plan So the point I've been making, one big point I've been making, is this love that Paul has for the church of Colossae that he loved them so dear that he prayed for these things over their life. He prayed that they would do these things. But he also, he just prayed uh, in general for them. He was thankful for them. And this morning, as we come to the idea of our application, what does it mean to us? It comes to two points I have, and then uh, Troy's going to come and sing, and it's going to take me a second. But the two points I have is that we should be putting these five things into practice and that we should be praying for other churches and our church as well. That our love for the, the believers around us should be so strong that we pray for these five things over their lives on a regular basis as Paul did. First things first though, we should be putting them into practice. This idea of knowledge, wisdom, and spiritual understanding is a really simple way of doing this is found in 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 I'm going to read about five more scriptures. You don't have to go with me there. He says this, Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, if that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is a perfect scripture lining up with this because the knowledge and the wisdom and the spiritual understanding that we come through, it happens through the Word of God. God is, this is God breath right here. It says the inspiration of God and what it is is profitable for doctrine and reproof and, and correction. God's Word is what teaches and develops us and I don't want to belittle that But a big aspect of that is being under the preaching and the teaching of God's Word at a church. Being there regularly attending, hearing the preaching from from different people, hearing the teaching from different people. And, And so that's my desire. I know sometimes I can be a little dry, and I probably am this morning. I apologize. But my desire is to give you good content of what God's Word is saying because that's what matters in the end. It doesn't matter about the examples or anything like that. That helps for us to understand. But the desire is so that we can come to this understanding. But why? Just like he said in Second Timothy, Thoroughly equipped for every good work that we walk worthy of the Lord as Paul prayed over the church of Colossae Philippians 2:12 through 13 says therefore my beloved as you have obeyed not as in the presence only but also but much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and that it is God who works in you both to will and to do for good pleasure Paul, he says here to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. When we read that, it's almost natural for us to assume that we work out our salvation, that we're saved by works. But that's not what Paul is saying because in verse 13, he says, it is God who works in both to will and to do his good pleasures that we're called to work out our salvation because that's a side effect of it. It's like, um, it's, it's kind of like if I, if I went to the doctor and I know uh, if there's any doctors or nurses or anything in here, uh, you probably hear the opposite all the time. But if I went to the doctor and they told me, James, they were just blunt with me. This is a blunt doctor. They said, James, you're fat, your cholesterol's high, and your blood pressure's high, and you have to go on a diet, or you're gonna die. Me, as a person, I'm gonna listen to that. Uh, now, I may still eat a cheeseburger every now and then, but I'm gonna listen to that. I'm gonna take that heed and, and that advice because that's just the truth. Because that's, what, that's a side effect of being uh, under that context. And being in God's Word, it's the same thing, that, that it's an outcome, right? We don't, we don't work for the Lord because it saves us, but we work for the Lord because we are saved by God. It's, it's this love that we have for Him causes us to do the work that, that earned, not earned, not, does not earn our salvation, but is an outcome of our salvation. Then it goes Amen. on, and says, strengthen with might. That Not only do we come to the understanding and the wisdom and the knowledge of God so that we can work out His will in our lives, but we are strengthened by God. Matthew twenty eight eighteen And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That Jesus Christ is in all power and all authority. And what he told the disciples before any of this happens, he says, I'm going to send to you someone that's going to be greater than I am. And he's going to be the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And he's going to live within you. And he's going to give you power and strength and the ability to do what I have called you to do. That God not only calls us to do something, but he gives us the ability to do it. In all of this, what we should be doing is giving thanks to the Lord because He saves us and then He calls us to work alongside of Him. Psalms one thirty six one Oh, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good for His mercy endures forever. God is so good. But God is so good because of the last point. It's all because of the blood of Christ. That in Christ alone do we have salvation. And then we, we find our strength and our ability and our knowledge in the words of God through Christ Jesus. So that we can have the strength and the ability to do what God has called us to do. So the importance in all of this is really simple. is where are you at? Do you need to grow in your knowledge and wisdom and and understanding of Scripture? Do you need to be in the Word more regular? Do you need to be under the preaching and teaching of God's Word more regular? Or maybe you're pretty good with that. Maybe you're seeking after God and you've committed to that area of your life, but maybe you need to just begin to walk a little bit in Him. Maybe you need to begin to share the gospel, make disciples, maybe meet that need of that person you see in the street or meet that need of that person that you've come encounter with. Maybe you you just need to work it out a little bit. You need to do the work of God a little better. Or maybe you won't do that because you're afraid to. Maybe you won't share the gospel because you're afraid that you may mess it up or you're afraid that you won't say the right things. or you Maybe you won't uh, meet that need because you're afraid if you do, you won't have something for yourself. What we see in all of this is that God strengthens us in all of His might to do what He's called us to do. And in all that, we should give thanks to the Lord. I remember the first time I led someone to Christ. uh, And I don't say this to speak highly of myself. It's just an example. I still remember that moment that God chose to use me as His instrument to work out His will. I remember moments when I've helped people in need, and I bet you can too, what what thankful moment is that that we can give thanks to the God that He used us in that mighty way? Then the last thing I want to bring up is praying for those in Lighthouse Community Church or praying for those other churches in your community. See, this is the reality is that God has called us to put on knowledge and strength and and spiritual understanding. He's called us to walk worthy of the Lord. He's called us to, to depend on His strength. He's called us to uh, give Him thanks and we, we, we're called to understand that He does this and it's through Christ and Christ alone. But we're also called to pray for brothers and sisters in Christ. We're called to pray for these things over their life. And as Troy comes, we're gonna, I'm just going to ask a few questions and then we're going to have the song. Uh, we're going to sing In Christ Alone. Uh, And Summer's not in here, but Summer's requested that song, so that would be about how it works. Um, And we're going to sing In Christ Alone, and, and the song is so fitting because everything that we do in this life is powered by In Christ Alone. We have salvation in Christ alone. We can work out our salvation in Christ alone. We're strengthened by Him. We're guided by Him. But this morning the question is, what do you need to do? Maybe you need to grow in wisdom. Maybe you need to grow in the Word of God. Maybe you want to talk to God about it this morning. Maybe you need to work harder. Maybe you need to do what He's called you to do. Maybe you need to pray for strength. Maybe you just need to glorify Him and thank Him and praise Him this morning. Troy's going to play a song, and I'm going to pray. He's going to play a song, and this altar's going to be open. Maybe you just want to talk to God. Maybe you want to talk to Him where you sit, where you stand. Maybe you want to stand up, praise Him, raise your hand, sit down and praise Him, however you want to do it. This is your time to reflect on what God is saying. Heavenly Father, we love You, we thank You, we glorify You. I just pray right now as we um, go into this time of worship and reflection of what Your Word has to say to us, God. I pray that if we're one in here that doesn't know You, God, I pray first and foremost that if You're calling them, they come to know You. God, if there's one in here and they say, maybe I just I need to grow in my understanding of, of God and His Word, not to be uh, arrogant or prideful, God, but so I can accomplish what He's called me to. I pray that you you work that out in their lives and they they respond accordingly this morning. They come down, they pray for power to do so, they stand, they pray for power. God, I just pray whatever way you're speaking to us this morning, God, we don't shut it up. We don't, we don't put it out of our minds, God, but we allow you to show us what it is you have for us. We love you and we praise you. And God, as we stand as a body of believers, I thank you for uh, that. Just that we can come in peace under the gospel. In your son's holy name, amen.
0: In Christ alone, my hope is found. And he is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love. Of God in helpless faith, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the light of the world by darkness slain and bursting forth in glorious day up from the grave he rose again and as he stands guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me, from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny, no power of heaven.